0: Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to incorporate real estate into your retirement plan and how does it fit with the other investments. So last week, if you were tuned in, we talked about real estate as a whole and is it a good investment and how to compare it to other alternatives and other options within your financial plan. Today, we're going to take a closer look as to how does it logistically fit? How do you combine The income from real estate with your other assets in your financial plan. Now, this episode is based on a question, and this question comes from Christine. Christine says this: She says, Hello, we love your YouTube and podcast content. We have $525,000 in a 401k, $170,000 in a pension. We haven't decided if it's a lump sum, annuity, or rollover yet, and $2.5 million equity in real estate investments. We know the 401k and pension are not enough to sustain us throughout retirement. So here's our question how can we use the equity in our real estate investments for retirement income without having to sell? We want to retire next year at the age of 59 and a half. We'll need approximately $100,000 per year in retirement. End question. Well, Christine, thank you very much for that question. And it's a question I get quite a bit of and something I think that will be helpful to explore. So as I mentioned, today's episode isn't so much about is real estate a good or bad or whatever type of investment. Tune in last week where I actually went through step-by-step how to think about that. Today is more about working backwards to see how does that fit when you have other things like pension or 401ks or Social Security. How do you tie in real estate income to that? Before we jump into today's episode, I want to highlight a recent review on Apple Podcasts. This is from Goody854, and it's a five-star review that says, thank you. I'm a novice, late-to-the-party investor at 55, and I'm trying to get on top of what we have and what our projection is to live our second half comfortably. I appreciate how you cover meaningful topics to everyday people like me in an understandable way. My guess is I'm not alone, and I'm sure other novices will benefit. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate that because, yes, this podcast is designed to cover meaningful topics, not theoretical topics, not vague topics with vague answers, but really dive deep into practical, everyday considerations that millions and millions of people around the country are having as they're trying to prepare for retirement. So I appreciate that. Also want to quickly make an announcement that on YouTube, if you haven't followed us yet, please be sure to do so there we've separated out into two separate channels. There's Root Financial Partners, which is my company name, and there is now just pure video content there. And then these podcast episodes that we used to be uploading there, they now have their own separate channel under Ready for Retirement. So the the name of this podcast, there's now a separate YouTube channel for that to separate the video content from just pure audio content. So be sure to follow both those channels. There is more and more content that is in the works and being planned that we're going to be releasing there. But you can see that at root financial partners. Again, that's the company name. That's the main channel where a lot of videos are and then ready for retirement. So let's now jump into the question to Christine's question where she's wanting to know how does real estate fit? I don't want to sell my real estate. I have two and a half million dollars of equity in real estate. I also have a 401k. I also have a pension. I haven't decided if I'm going to take the lump sum or annuity and I want to retire. How does real estate fit into that if I don't want to necessarily have to sell that? Well, let's start by starting high level and then working backwards so we can identify the answer because the real question is, or the real starting point, I should say, is we need to identify what we need real estate to do for us. So before we figure out how to monetize real estate, we need to understand what role does real estate need to play in her particular situation. So let's look at her example. She stated that she needs $100,000 per year of living expenses. I don't know if that's pre-tax or post-tax or what it is, but let's just start with $100,000 and assume that takes care of all taxes. The actual specifics, of course, will depend, but at least the framework here is going to be pretty consistent. What we need to plan for is where's that $100,000 going to come from? As we're looking at this question, Christine says that she wants to retire in a year. She turns 59 and a half. At that point, she can start to gather money or pull money from her investments. So we need to see where's that income going to come from. What I don't know is I don't know how much the annuity would be. If she says she has a pension and it looks like the lump sum would be $170,000, I don't know what the annuity amount would be. So in this example, I'm going to assume that she takes that lump sum. So if we take her 401k balance of $525,000 and we add that to her lump sum pension balance of $170,000, that gives us $695,000. I'm just going to round that up to $700,000. She has another year until she retires. Over the next year, let's assume that that can grow by $5,000, and Christine can then retire with exactly $700,000 in her portfolio so that that can make a really easy example for this podcast. Well, the question is, what do we do with that? If we have $700,000 and Christine and her husband have a normal life expectancy and their income in retirement isn't supposed to or isn't planned to fluctuate dramatically, but it's about $100,000 per year adjusted with inflation over time, what we can do is we can apply a withdrawal rate to that. So if we apply a 5% per year withdrawal rate, we multiply 5% by 700,000, that gives us $35,000 per year of pre-tax income. So if the goal is 100,000, there's 35,000 per year coming from pre-tax income. That leaves a shortfall of about $65,000. Well, what else? What about Social Security? Christine didn't part- or didn't explicitly mention this. Part of that's probably because she's looking to retire at 59 and a half before Social Security kicks in. Now, if we assume that Social Security kicks in at some point, I have no idea Christine's earnings history or her spouse's earnings history, but let's assume that at some point they can get $45,000 per year combined. I'm just making that number up. That's a little less than $2,000 per month for each of them. I don't know when they would collect or what amount they would collect, but I'm just making that assumption so that we can plug it in this plan here. That's $45,000 per year with the assumption I'm making. So now what we see is if the goal is to live on $100,000 per year, 35 of that is going to come from investments, so the 401k and the pension. 45 of that is going to come from Social Security. That is now total income of about $80,000, which means there's a shortfall of $20,000. Now, quick side note, this highlights a very important point. And that very important point is that when you retire, you're not necessarily going to have every single income source available to you starting at the exact same time. So in this situation, retirement is going to start when Christine's 59 and a half. She's not going to have social security for at least two and a half years because you can't collect it till 62. So I'm not going to get into the intricacies of how do you plan for varying withdrawal needs in retirement. There's a whole episode dedicated to that. So episode number 91 is all about how do you plan for those varying withdrawal needs in retirement? For example, do you need to take more money from your portfolio in the first few years but before Social Security kicks in? Then do you take less money once Social Security or other income sources do kick in down the road? That's a whole episode. So check out episode number 91 for the sake of simplicity of this framework that we're looking at today. I'm assuming that all these income sources start at the same time when in fact, I know that not to be the case. So we're going to start simple and then you can tack on that episode number 91 to see how would you customize this for your particular scenario. But in this overly simplified example, what we see is Christine has a need for $20,000. So she has real estate and she says there's equity in her real estate portfolio of two and a half million dollars. So the question is how can we get that real estate to generate that shortfall of twenty thousand dollars per year for her? Well, when I hear investments, I don't know if this real estate that that she has is a primary residence. I don't know if it's rental property, I don't know if it's a vacation home. When I hear investment, I don't typically think of your primary residence, but she also says she doesn't want to sell. So maybe she's saying it is a primary residence, but here's the thing about real estate, real estate as an asset doesn't generate cash by itself. You can charge rent for someone living in that asset to generate cash, or you can sell that asset to generate cash, or you could use that asset as a collateral on a loan, AKA take out a mortgage to generate cash. So the asset itself is not income producing unless you do something with it. And that is renting it out or selling it or financing it using the asset as collateral. So either way, here's a few different options. The first of which is, let's say, rent. The most obvious way that people create income from real estate. Could you rent out property and generate $20,000 per year net to supplement your social security and your investment income? Now, here's the good news. If you have $2.5 million worth of real estate, it should be very easy to rent out that property and generate at least $20,000 per year. When you look at real estate and if you're looking at it in certain ways, there's what's called a cap rate. And a cap rate is just what's your net operating income. So the net amount of income you have after maintenance costs, after property taxes, what's the net amount of income divided by the market value? Well, $20,000 per year, if that's what this was rented out for, that's a cap rate of less than 1%. Depending on what part of the country you're in, you might see cap rates of three, four, five, six, seven, eight 8% even in certain markets. So 1% is extremely low, which means it should be very easy to get $20,000 per year of rent in most situations from an asset value that's at $2.5 million. Again, and I'll keep going back to this throughout this episode. I don't know the makeup of this real estate as we're looking at this for Christine. I don't know if this, if this is $2.5 million of just a primary residence. Well, you can't just rent that out unless, of course, you want to have roommates. So the makeup of that real estate would be really important. Say, for example, even $1 of it is rental property and $1.5 of it is a primary residence. Well, even then, that cap rate probably works. If you can get $20,000 per year on a $1 million property, that's a cap rate of 2%. In just about every single real estate market in the country, that should be pretty doable. So that is the first option. It should be fairly easy to generate that level of income from real estate unless, of course, all of this or the overwhelming majority of this equity is in a primary residence of which Christine doesn't want to sell. So that's the first option is could you take this real estate? Could you rent it out and use that rental income to supplement Social Security to supplement pension or investment withdrawals to create that $100,000 per year? Maybe she can't. Maybe she says, you know what? No, this is all primary residence and we don't want to have roommates. Well, that's fine. But just keep in mind that no matter how valuable that asset becomes, if that becomes 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, 10 million, it's not going to be income producing unless you actually generate income from it, which is done by renting it out in some way, shape or form. Now, as you look at that, the other option, if you don't want to rent it out, but you do need to create income from it is downsizing. Downsizing doesn't necessarily mean getting a smaller place. It just means getting a less expensive place in the situation. If you have $2.5 million of equity, do you sell that? And let's take out taxes and commissions and moving fees and all that stuff. Let's just say you sell a $2.5 million property and you go buy a $1.5 million property instead. Well, what that does for you is now you have a million dollars. and We are dismissing taxes and broker fees and all that stuff, which of course can't be discounted. That's probably going to exist here. But if you downsize and now you have $1.5 million of real estate and you have $1 million of extra liquid funds, well, think of that $1 million as the ability to create about $50,000 in income. Again, if we apply a withdrawal rate of of 5% to that, you take that $1 million, that's $50,000 per year of extra income on top of the $35,000 that we're going to assume you can create from your existing $700,000 of investments on top of the $45,000, which is my arbitrary estimate of social security income. And at that point, you are there. Again, there's still the varying withdrawal needs. You don't have social security right away. Maybe you need to pull more money from your portfolio in those earlier years and pull less from your portfolio in those later years. But that's another example of how you can generate income from your real estate. Now, Christine was clear in her question. She says that we don't want to have to sell. Her question explicitly is how can we use the equity in our real estate investments for retirement income without having to sell? So this probably isn't the best option for Christine unless it was absolutely necessary. But for other people listening in a similar situation, that is one way of looking at it. So that's the second option. So option number one is rented out, generated income. Option number two is downsize. So sell your property. So you have some liquid funds because again, real estate as an asset can be it can be incredible and it can appreciate quite a bit. But unless you sell that asset, there's really not a way to monetize it and live off of it unless you're selling. The third option is financing. Do you finance your home and take out a mortgage? Now, keep in mind, if you were to take out a mortgage against it, what you're doing is you're using your asset as collateral. So the bank will lend you money and you now have higher liquid assets because you're going to have just cash, which you can keep in cash, which you can invest, which you can spend, but you also have additional expenses. So if you take out a $2.5 million or if you have a $2.5 million home and you take out a million dollar mortgage, just to use round numbers here, that again could create $50,000 per year of income if you're investing in a way that can support a 5% per year withdrawal rate. But keep in mind, your expenses have also gone up. And here's the real kicker on that is your expenses probably went up by more than the amount of income you can create from taking that mortgage out. So if I just look at an example of taking out a million dollar mortgage over 30 years at a 5% interest rate, the principal interest payment on that is close to $65,000 per year. So yes, you bought yourself some liquidity. If your goal is just to say, maybe in the future, I want to sell my home, but maybe not for five or 10 years. Well, taking this mortgage out provides some current liquidity. But if you're just looking at this long-term, 5% per year of withdrawal rate on a million dollars, that's $50,000 per year that you can create but the mortgage is about $65,000 per year of extra expenses. So unless you're using that for a specific period of time or have a very intentional strategy around that, that might end up backfiring on you because yes, you can create more income with that mortgage now, but your expenses have gone up even more. So it's not a hundred thousand per year, it's 165,000 per year. So that might not be probably not going to be the best option in that case, which brings us to option number four, and this is absolutely not the best option for a lot of people, but there is what's called a reverse mortgage. If you're saying, man, we really love our home, but we don't know how to keep it and we need to be able to access the equity from it, but we don't want to take out a loan against it because that's going to increase our expenses. Well, what a reverse mortgage does is you take a loan from a bank, you don't pay them anything. So you the, the loan is, again, using your home as collateral you don't pay the bank anything, but you are accruing interest on their loan. So if you take a reverse mortgage for $500,000, for example, you're not paying the bank back anything today or next year or the year after. But that $500,000 maybe turns to $530,000 next year, which turns to something dollars the following year. And it begins to accrue interest. Now, you don't pay that back, but your home is the collateral. And if you ever move or if you ever pass away, that is when the loan must be paid back. So if there's ever an event where you're exiting your home, which could include turning your home into a second home and moving somewhere else, these are all triggers for having to pay that loan off. So if you're going to live in your home for the rest of your life, well, the equity value of your home is what's going to be used to pay off that loan. Right now in 2022, the reverse mortgage limit is $970,800. Now, there's limits. You can't you can't borrow more than a certain percentage of the value of your home. But if you have a two and a half million dollar home, you could take out a reverse mortgage for up to nine hundred and seventy thousand eight hundred dollars, assuming you qualify under all the different provisions there. Now, as you take that out, that loan is then something that could generate close to fifty thousand dollars per year more of income. And it's not simultaneously increasing your expenses. What it is doing is it's diminishing the legacy value or the, the final value of your home, because instead of all that equity being yours, the loan amount plus interest is now due to the bank. So if you were to sell the home, the proceeds would first and foremost have to be used to pay off the reverse mortgage and whatever's left you would take. But that's a way of generating more current income today while also being able to remain in your home. So this isn't a great option for a lot of people. There's a whole lot more to reverse mortgages than just this. And so I don't want people just to jump into this and say, oh, great, I can access equity from my home and not have to worry about it. There are planning points around that. But this can be an option for some people in certain cases when you're saying I have all this equity in this residence. How do I access it? I don't want to rent it out. I don't want to finance it. I don't want to sell it. Well, a reverse mortgage could be something that potentially fits in that scenario. So if your goal is to say, how on earth do I take this equity value that I have in real estate and somehow turn it into income that can support my retirement needs, these are really your options. It's either number one, renting that property out and creating income that way. Number two, downsizing. So buying a smaller home, taking the excess proceeds and living off that cash or investing it for income. Number three, financing your property. So taking out a mortgage, using the home as collateral, which of course is what a mortgage is. Or number four, taking out a reverse mortgage where there's nothing that you have to pay back, but there is a line or there is a claim against your home that has to be paid off if you die or pass away. So if you look at those and say, you know what, none of those are really options that I like. So going back to the specific example for Christine, well, that that's fine too, but understand that something else would have to give. If you're not renting, downsizing, or somehow financing, then it's back to the drawing board. Do you work longer? And do you work past age 59 and a half? That would be an option. Give you more time to accrue more money in your 401k. Give you time to accrue a larger social security benefit. Give your money more time to grow for you. That's an option. Do you work longer? Number two, do you save more? Maybe you don't want to work longer, but you want to save a whole bunch more between now and retirement. Now, Christine only has one more year until retirement in this particular example. So it's going to be hard to save a huge amount more before retirement, most likely. But that's always an option. Or number three, do you cut expenses in retirement? Do you say, okay, maybe it's not $100,000 per year that we live on. Maybe it's $80,000 per year that we live on. So these are all just options. And there's plenty more options than just this. But where you always want to start is with the specific question by starting with the end in mind. How much income do you want to create? Okay, let's work backwards to say what portion of that needs to come from real estate. Then work backwards again to say, okay, what are our real estate options for creating that portion? whether it's rent, downsize, slash selling, financing of some sort, do those work? If not, work backwards again to say, okay, do we work longer? Do we save more? Do we cut expenses? Really all of this, all the financial planning is about trade-offs. There's no perfect strategy for everyone. It comes down to what are you willing to do to balance enjoyment today and doing what you love today while also setting yourself up for a secure and confident future. So I hope that was helpful. Again, if you're looking for more concrete information for how does real estate as a whole compare as an investment, check out last week's episode. It's episode number 117, where we talk about is real estate a good option overall for income and retirement. But that is it for today. Also, as I mentioned, be sure to check us out on YouTube if you haven't already done so. Root Financial Partners is where there's video content that supplements everything that we're hearing on this podcast and then some. And then the podcast episodes are now on their own separate channel, which is Ready for Retirement. So thank you as always for listening. Really appreciate it. If you've not already done so, please be sure to leave a review. Please be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please be sure to tell friends, tell family, tell coworkers, tell people who are approaching retirement and you think could find this content valuable. Make sure you share this information with them as well so we can impact and help as many people as possible. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.